the voice of the Maryland Terrapins, and uh, he is uh, a rock and roll disc jockey in his career, great sportscaster, uh, hosted the uh, Nats Talk, uh, you know, on Masson pre- and post-game show. He is Johnny Holiday. Johnny, good morning. How are you? I'm fine, Craig. How are you? I'm good. Uh, i got to ask you, first of all, last night's game, a, six, uh, a nine-point win by Maryland. We had a proposal at ha- uh, right before the game at midcourt, and uh, she said yes, and uh, that makes everybody happy because so many times those things you see in the stands, they don't go that well. <laughs> Yeah, even uh, Bender uh, rolled the dice, didn't he? Yeah, and it and it came up good. He, that was that was really a nice moment. I thought only guy that was in on it was Mark Turgeon. Yeah, and nobody else knew about it. In fact, we had Bender on the coaches' show on I guess it was Wednesday night, and he never even gave me any hint he was going to do that. And then we had him on the post game show last night after the game, and. I said, how can you? How could you keep that from me? As close a friend as I am of yours, <laughs> a big supporter of yours, even Bender, and you don't even tell me you're going to propose to uh, Alana. I think that was her name, wasn't it, Alana? Yeah. And he said, I could not tell you. <laughs> he could not tell anybody. <laughs> I wanted to tell you, but I couldn't do it. Uh, he is a super, super guy, so- and. They're getting married, I think, in July, back in his home country in Bosnia. Right. And, uh, yeah, just really, there's somebody else in the stands. They had a little proposal, too, so it was a two-for-two night. That's good. Uh, Let me ask you about that game last night. It's a nine-point win, but uh, with some of the struggles here of late, how does that set this team up now heading into the Big Ten tournament? There's still a chance at a four-seed and and the double-bye, but I'm thinking more than likely it's going to be a fifth-seed. Yeah, you're probably right. I, I, you know, the, the score was misleading. I thought to win by nine—that's what you see. But they were, they were never had a problem winning that game. They were up by twenty-two in the second half on, on about three or four different occasions, and then the guys kind of let the you know pedal off the metal a little bit, and and he wanted to make sure he got Andrew Carroll in the game. He wanted to put Bender back in the game at the end, and the score was not indicative as how much they dominated, and probably one of the best all-around games they've had, especially turnover. I think they only turned the ball over nine or ten times, and that's a real, real improvement from what they've been doing. And really a terrific night for Jalen Smith with 19 points and 11 rebounds. That's his fourth double-double. And you almost expect Bruno Fernando, every time he plays, to rack up a double-double. He's got 20, 20 on the year. 11 points, 11 rebounds, and he only played 24 minutes, got in foul trouble early. And then Anthony Cowan was terrific. I mean, that's that's the kind of game I think we expect to see from him as they go to the Big Ten tournament uh, this coming week in Chicago. And if he can continue to play like he did last night, he only had a couple of turnovers, played all but a couple of minutes and shot 50%. And it just had an all-around terrific game. Then they're going to be in good shape. But I think what happens now, Craig, you got to look at these games today and tomorrow but I think, like you, they'll probably be the number five seed. They'll play at 3 o'clock on Thursday. If, by some chance, Wisconsin is to lose tomorrow, which I don't think they will, uh, to Ohio State, then Maryland would somehow, some way, with uh, the mathematical pencil work done with the game today and tomorrow, they could be the number four seed and play at 3 o'clock on Friday. But more likely it'll be on Thursday. 
and then we'll find out who they play uh, coming up tomorrow. So yeah. it's going to be a good, wide-open Big Ten tournament, I think. And the one thing they want to make sure of is they get past that first round. You don't want to lose that first game like they did in New York at the Garden last year to Illinois, like they did in the previous year in Chicago. So you got momentum. You know you're going to go to the NCAA tournament. No better time than now to be playing your best basketball of the season. Johnny, before we get to baseball, uh, I, I really want to ask one more question about the Terps uh, under Mark Turgeon. This team, when it gets away from what it does well, really kind of struggles. And I think what they do best of all is play through Bruno and Sticks. And if they do that, I think they're just a, a much better basketball team. Well, I, I guess you're, you know, in a way, I think you're right, Craig. They do, because when you've got guys as big as those guys and as dominating as they can be, but it's not going to be every night that they show the kind of effort they had last night when Smith had 19 and Bruno had 11, and they combined for 22 rebounds. That's that's pretty impressive right there. But a lot of times, Jalen doesn't play after that same ability he showed last night and a lot of times Bruno gets in foul trouble and, and can't be on the floor and if it's gone good like it was last night it opens up everything else from the outside then yeah. they start to double on Bruno they start to double on Jalen it leaves something open for, for Cowan to drive to the basket and make the easy layups and it frees up the three-point shooting but sometimes that's not going to be there every single night I'm sure Mark Turgeon wishes it was because when you, as you mentioned, when you've got a situation like that, they're pretty tough to handle. They're pretty tough to beat. And take nothing away from that team last night. I mean, you look at Minnesota, they had just beaten Purdue, the number 11 team in the country. And they beat them pretty good. And Coffey had 32 points in that game. And the defense from Maryland really picked it up. They, they held him to 23. And he got the 23 on 17 shots. So I think a lot of a lot of the success that they've had maybe is lost in how good they have been defensively. Another team that last night shoots under forty percent. Here's Minnesota winding up at for the game, they wound up at thirty eight percent. I think that's five of the last seven games. Maryland showed the opponents to under forty percent field goal. That's pretty good. But getting back to your statement, yeah, go through Bruno, go through Jalen Smith, opens up everything else, and uh, hopefully those guys can stay out of foul trouble and keep it going in Chicago. All right, we got that out of the way. Good luck to the Terps going forward because we all root for them uh, up here in Baltimore, obviously. And, uh, you know, I, I think they have a chance to make a good run if they play defense and, like I said, keep it together offensively and don't get away from their yeah, game. Yeah, I agree. And, I agree. and yeah, don't get away right. from their game plan. Absolutely. Right. Uh, a lot of people, Johnny, I don't think know this, but you were very involved with the Washington Senators at one time. <laughs> and, and, and you know, since the inception of the Nats in 05, you have been the pre- and post-game show host on Masson. And this year you decided not to go back. Why did you make that decision? Uh, I think two things. Well, number one, I wanted to do just the home games, and that was not possible. Mm -hmm. And I think when they decided to release my partner, Ray Knight, that had a little mental effect on me because we had such a good thing going. And he is without question, I think, one of the best analysts on television. Uh, the national he he lived and died by the Nationals, and you knew by tuning in after a game 
and saw our show, you knew if they won or if they lost by the expression and the, and the responses that Ray had. He was the perfect guy to work with. Uh, we never had anything scripted. It was just off the cuff and just like two guys sitting there talking, talking baseball like yeah. you and I are talking right now. And he was, in my mind, the, one of the best analysts and one of the best guys who knew about baseball than anybody on television. And I know that he's going to be sorely, sorely missed. I can be replaced by anybody. You can bring a robot in, and they're going to do the job that right. I had. All I did was set him up for 12 years. But they will really miss him. He was a manager. He was an all-star, MVP of a World Series, a bench coach, a hitting coach. He knows more about baseball than anybody. And I think it was a very unfortunate situation for them not to have Ray come back again. For me, uh, I wanted to cut back a little bit and just do the home games, and they did not agree to that. So not the Nationals. Masson didn't agree to right. it. So that's that's fine. That's fine. And uh, they will go on, and whoever will take our place will do a nice job. And probably in about 30 seconds, people will forget that – Who's the two guys that no. were there for the last 12 years? I, I don't yeah, think that's that going to happen, Johnny. I really yeah, don't think that. that. Goes. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I think I mean, we wish we had uh, Dan Coco is going to come up and, and take my spot. Nice young guy, up and comer. And uh, we wish him a lot of luck. And then uh, Bo Porter is going to take Ray Knight's place. Yeah. And, and, and we wish him the very best, too. Right. And of course, Bo left uh, here when he did leave here. He went to, uh, or, you know, Houston. managed the Houston Astros. Yep. And and then uh, you know, but but he's well known around here, and has always had a kind of a soft spot for for DC and the Nationals. Uh, sure. Let me ask you this though, going back to the Senator days, what what do you remember most about that and being uh, involved in in that and all the games at RFK? Uh, I, the thing that I really liked the most was working with Ted Williams every every day, interviewing him for the pregame show and the postgame show every day. Uh, and just being able to work with Claire, you want to shut the door for a second? <laughs> uh, being able to work with him on radio every single game was was like a dream come true. Here's a Hall of Famer, and I'm talking to him every day. And the guys, the characters they had in those teams, Craig, we only did it for two years until they moved to Texas. But there was Dick Bosman, who I still keep in contact with. There was Daryl Knowles. There was Timmy Cullen. There was Bernie Allen. There was Rick Reichardt. There was Casey Cox. There was Davey Nelson. Yeah. And all those guys I just mentioned, every single one of those guys played in my WWDC Radio Wonders basketball team in the off season to supplement their income. Wow. You know, we, gave them, we gave them 25 I think it was, no, $35 a game. Gas money, expense money. And all those guys played with us. <laughs> well, you know, that's back in the day where uh, no matter what you, you were doing, do, you could do that. But that was back in the day too, where players would play the season and then go work in the off season to make their living. Well, that's right. And, and you know, I found that out in San Francisco before I came to Washington. I did the Giants pregame show on television, and uh, in the off season, we had Sal Bando play with us on our basketball team, and also I got him a job at our radio station doing some sports reports. And that was to supplement his income. When I was in Cleveland, we had Bernie Parrish, defensive back for the Cleveland Browns, who was on our staff at WHK. And these guys would play in my charity team, and we'd get $25 gas money. 
And it, it so you became really close in a different way with these guys, just instead of connecting with them in baseball, you know, you're with them all the time, you're traveling around, you're playing high school faculties, you're making a lot of money for the schools, and you had a different, totally different relationship with them back in those days. But it was it was really incredible. Denny McLean, uh, when he came to Washington, was the first interview we did on the pregame show for the year he was here. He also played in our basketball team. We became really good friends with the last 30-game winner in the major leagues, Denny McLean, and here I am, you know, tossing him a basketball so he can take a 50-foot jump shot and miss it. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned thinking, why would I give the ball up to him? I can shoot it myself. You you mentioned Cleveland, and there's a story that someone told me about you. Uh, Explain to me and our and our viewers and listeners uh, about the time uh, when when JFK was assassinated and you were the PA announcer, I believe, in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. Art Modell had owned the club, the Browns, and I was their public address announcer for the last two years. I was in Cleveland before I went to New York. And when the Dallas Cowboys came to town, Mr. Modell said to me, and I had a tremendous relationship with him, really loved the guy. He was just as down-to-earth as as you could be. And one quick story, Craig, before I talk about the President Kennedy thing, the public address announcer had passed away in the off-season. He had a heart attack. And so I just, one day, I was on the air 3-7 to at WHK, and I decided to call up Mr. Modell during a news break, and I got right through it to him. And I said, Mr. Modell, my name is Johnny Holiday. I'm with WHK. And oh, I know who you are, Johnny. I listened to you on the way home. Well, I knew I had my foot in the door then. <laughs> so I said, what are you going to do about a PA guy? He said, well, I promised the spotter the job. Would you be, cons- would you be interested? And I said, yes, I would be interested. He said, okay, I'll tell you what, we have this doubleheader coming up. We have two games in one night, the Eagles and the Giants, the Redskins and the Browns. You do the first game, we'll let him do the second game, and then I'll make my decision. I said, okay. So I do the first game, and doing the PA work, Craig, you're on the field. The, the speakers were on the field shooting up to the stand, so wherever the ball was, on the sidelines outside of the bench area. That's where I was with a hundred yard cord with this guy who was the spotter. So after the first game, Mr. Modell calls down and says, let me talk to Jerry. So Jerry says, all I can hear Jerry saying is yes, sir. Hey, no, sir. No problem. Absolutely. So he gives the phone back to me and he said, Mr. Modell wants you to do the second game. Can, can I be your spotter? And I said, yeah. I said, I feel Golly, you wanted that job, didn't you? He said, no, I didn't really want it. He said, I couldn't do this. But oh, Mr. Modell wow. said it'd be nice. He said, I can't, there's no way I could do it. So this guy was my spotter for two years. And then when Dallas came to town, Mr. Modell said, Johnny, do me a favor. There's so much unrest in this city and in this country. Can you do the game without, don't mention the word Dallas at all, the name Dallas. Mm-hmm. I said, man, that's, I, I, I guess I can. He said, oh, I, th- I know you can. I know you can do it. So all throughout the game, I referred to them second down and two for the Cowboys. Right. And pass incomplete. So the Cow- I never mentioned the word Dallas the entire game. And we got through it. 
but that was probably the toughest thing I ever had to do outside of when I was in Oakland. I was the Raiders public address announcer and I had to deal with Al Davis every day. <laughs> and that's that's quite interesting. But we did get through the thing in Cleveland and it worked out just fine. Well, we're talking with Johnny Holiday, voice of the Maryland Terrapins, but also uh, has been with Masson uh, since the inception of the Nationals, uh, doing the pre and the post game show with Ray Knight. And and Johnny, I'd be remiss if uh, before we let you get out of here, uh, just your thoughts on the Bryce Harper situation. And he he goes to the Phillies, but it it takes you know pretty much the whole off season before it's all said and done. And, you know, the Nats put out an offer, the initial offer of 10 years, $300 million, and he winds up signing 13 years, $330 million up in Philadelphia. Uh, and it was kind of funny with me when, when you see him in this press conference and he says, you know, <laughs> I just want to bring a, a world championship to D.C. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, so it kind of makes you think that a lot of things – with Bryce is scripted and, uh, you know, kind of left a bad taste in my mouth the way it all wound up. Well, you know, it's the almighty dollar, Craig. Oh, I know. That's that's the, that's the biggest problem this day and age that where is the loyalty to a team? You say all the right things while you're playing with that team and you lead people to believe that you really love Washington. You really want to stay here. And money speaks, I guess, louder than, sentimentality and, and dedication and loyalty to a fan base. On the other hand, I never had a problem with Bryce Harper. He was always congenial, always accessible for me. Uh, we had him When we had him on the Masson shows or if I'm doing interviews for pregame shows, always available, always nice. A big Maryland fan, a big Joe DiMaggio fan, which I found out as we went through the years together. And I wish him well. I, I think probably at the young age that he's at now, if they're going to put that kind of money on the table, you, you may as well get it. Yeah. And I'm thinking Philadelphia can be a great sports town. They could also eat you alive when you're not playing well. Ask Jason Worth. Ask Sonny Jorgensen about that when he was quarterbacking up there. So I think time will tell, and that's a – the slip of the tongue, I caught the same thing you caught. It's kind of funny in a way and kind of sad in a way that he's obviously still thinking D.C. in some aspects. But the Phillies are going to get somebody. If he can play up to his potential and be the kind of player that everybody wanted him to be, which he sometimes wasn't, then they're going to have a heck, heck of I mean, they got a heck of a ball club now. Putting him in the pieces of the puzzle makes it even stronger. So I wish him well, and I, I hope he does well up there. It'll be interesting the first time he comes back to Washington to see what kind of response he gets. I'm sure it's going to be mixed. People will boo him, people will cheer him, and it'll be business as usual as the, as the season goes on. Well, once the Mets get out of here, uh, they're in for a couple, so that's going to be interesting. You're right. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But the money, is, the money has changed everything, unfortunately. And there are very few guys that are, are going to be loyal and say, I want to do it this way. I don't want the money. Whatever you want to pay me, I'm staying right here, and I'm going to finish out my career. I love the city. I love the fans. This is where I belong. That's the kind of guys you want. Last thing before I let you go. Of all the years of a rock and roll disc jockey, what's your famous, or maybe you're not famous, but most fond memory of being a disc jockey? 
I think connecting with the audience. I think in the days that I was playing the hits, uh, you're like a Pied Piper. You weren't much older than the audience that you're playing for. You are a good role model. You could you could set good standards for them. Uh, nothing was done off color. There was nothing suggestive. No foul language. Not even. You would never utter a hell or a damn on the air. No way mm-hmm. would you do that. Uh, you had to sign affidavits, and if you did something like that, you were shown the door. You just didn't do it. And I think connecting with the audience and knowing that you were setting a good example for young people is the thing I remember most. And I had great times doing it during the best times of music, the late 50s, the 60s, right up through the middle 70s. I thought were the best time when, when disc jockeys were looked upon as leaders and involved in the community. And that's what I remember most. Yeah, Johnny Holiday, one of the best around. And uh, I appreciate the time this morning. Uh, enjoy the, the grandkids and enjoy the family, and we'll see you around Maryland for sure. Okay, Craig. Thank you very much. Great to be with you, my friend. Uh, all right. Thank you very much, Johnny. Johnny, Hol- Johnny Holiday, the voice of the Maryland Terrapins, along with uh, being the uh, voice of the pre- and the post-game shows on Masson, Nats Extra, uh, for the last, well, since the inception of the Nationals back in 2005.